0: No
1: one. Hello, Gator Nation, and welcome into the latest edition of Locked on Gators, your team every day. I'm your host, Zach Albaverdi, staff writer for The Lake City Reporter. What's up, Florida fans? Welcome into the latest edition of Locked on Gators. On today's show, we're going to speak with Nick De from GatorCountry.com to recap the sweep in Miami for the Florida baseball team. We will also recap Florida's loss at Kentucky on Saturday. And shout out to the men's swimming and diving team and the UF gymnastics team as both of them won SEC championships. So shout out to them for their latest crowns. But we're going to start out this show talking Florida baseball with Nick Del Torre. Here was my conversation with him this week.
0: we now welcome in Nick Del Torre from GatorCountry.com to talk about this Florida sweep of the Miami Hurricanes down in South Florida. The Gators take their show on the road, defeat the nation's number one team to take the top spot. Nick, it was an incredible series, and we'll kind of recap each game and what the Gators were able to show against the Hurricanes. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Locked on Gators. How's it
2: going, my friend? It's going well. Before we get into that, let's just talk about, real quick, crazy stat. In the last 35 games that Florida Kevin O'Sullivan and Florida has played against FSU and Miami, you know, not conference opponents, but in-state rivals, Florida is 31 and 4. So just, I mean, Jacksonville has a better record in the last 20 games. They're 15 and 5, JU, (laughs) than Florida State and Miami. So, I mean, it's it's just dominance and I wouldn't have called a sweep. I thought Florida would win the series, but number one versus number two is a a crazy environment, and Florida's got to be – Kevin O'Sullivan and the Gators has to be in Miami's head at this point.
0: And we were talking to the only guy that covers the Florida baseball team full-time. You were down there on Friday, Nick, and we were treated to an incredible game. Uh, we saw a duel between the pitchers on the mound and, and a game that came down to the wire and, and Florida was able to pull it out and I think kind of set the tone for the weekend.
2: That's the biggest thing. And, and that's what they really lacked last year. I mean, if you look, go back years and years, Logan Shore, Friday night, you you knew what you were going to get on Friday night. Then Alex Fajardo followed him and you knew what you were going to get on Friday night when Alex Fajardo was there. The same thing with Brady Singer. Last year, it didn't work out with Tyler Dyson. And then you kind of threw Tommy Mason into the mix and, he probably wasn't ready for that yet. And there's so many weekends you're starting off, you know, 0 1 and behind the eight balls to start a weekend. So I think what you got from Tommy Mace now is a mature pitcher. He's had two really quality starts going down to Miami against the number one team in the country. And that's, and, and listen, and you look at a sweep and you say, oh, Miami's not good. And I know everyone wants to get their jokes off on Twitter. That's a really good Miami team that'll host a regional, maybe host a super regional at the end of the year. And Tommy Mates just goes down there and shoves. Those seven innings, gives up just the one run and looks sharp. So when people ask me, you know, Nick, how's the team going to be? And my answer was, listen, they're going to hit. It, it all depends on the pitching. Because like you said, you know, got to have that guy on Friday night. And then Jack Lefkowitz is, you know, we'll get into the second game, but Jack Lefkowitz has to continue matching what Tommy does on Fridays. And
0: then Jacob Young, he gets the game-winning RBI. He has another – Three hit game. What did you think of his performance
2: on Friday night and how huge he came up for Florida? He's such an interesting player to me because when you look at guys like uh, on Florida's team, I mean Tommy is six foot six, a big kid. Chris Armstrong, the first baseman, DH, is six four, two hundred and twenty pounds. Um, they've got big, impressive looking kids, and then Jacob Young's maybe five foot ten and one hundred and sixty pounds, soaking wet. But he just plays the game the right way. He's never. Not running 100 percent down the line, he made a, he made a play on Saturday, hustled the ball out, beat a, beat a throw at second that ended up resulting in a run. So he's just kind of unassuming physically, but just keeps racking up hits. Whether it's you know he's not going to put up 10 home runs, but he might hit 340 this year. Um, so he's a really he's a really fun kid to watch because he plays the game the right way. Like if you have a if you have a son. When you take him to the game, you point at number one. You say, hey, that's how you should be playing the game. That's probably the best compliment um, I can give Jacob Young or you know, any baseball player can get. And
0: then going into game two on Saturday,
2: another game of extra innings, and
0: Miami had a chance there to even the series. Pretty crazy sequence of events there, and Jeff Fabian came up big, and, and once again, Florida pulled out there late.
2: The game looks like it was going to be over. Um, Miami gets a guy on and they bunt him over, the throw hits him in the back, and they call interference. And I don't know why the runner goes all the way back to first um, instead of just calling the the guy that bunted the ball and calling him out. So Miami, in the span of 30 seconds, went from having runners on first and third with no outs, needing one run to to win the game on Saturday, to one out and a guy on first. And and then, you know, it it all kind of unraveled for them from there. But I think the right call was made, and – that's a really tough spot for an umpire to make that call. It's high game in the 10th inning. Uh, he made it quickly, didn't second-guess himself, and he's got the best view of anyone in the park. So I think that was the right call. But I think what I learned about this Florida team, you know, they were down to their last strike, like you said, with Judd Fabian. He went down 0-2 in the ninth inning to even get to extra innings. And this team just fights. To me, they they have, like, an attitude of, like, the big brother Who's playing basketball with his younger brother and his younger brother beat him in a game? And now he came he came back and he's like, Hey, you're not scoring a point. I'm throwing elbows. Like they're they're angry. And, and I mean they were trash talking J U on the field. I'm like, I get like a little smack talk for Miami, but like they play angry at everybody. Like they yeah. they 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 play like they are they got their feelings hurt last year and they're on like a revenge tour.
0: And what did you think of uh, what we saw from Jack and Nick on Saturday on the mound?
2: Uh, it's it's really nice to, so obviously Nick Pogue got, uh, got the nod as the Sunday starter and then just had a dreadful start on opening weekend lost his starting role we'll get into Hunter Barco because he's going to be special Nick Pogue has lost his starting role and, and instead of pouting or, or worrying about it he goes out and he has a really good pitching performance on Wednesday against J.U. and then he comes back and he, and he you know pitches really well again this weekend and his role now will maybe be to start a midweek game but when the SEC play starts, it's hey, you're coming out of the bullpen. You're going to come into a tough situations, to come into tie games, or games where we're up a run, runners on base, and you've got to be that guy for us out of the bullpen. So good for him to not, you know, get down on himself or get mad at the coaching staff because I was supposed to be the Sunday starter. He's got a lot of potential and he's only a sophomore, so I mean, he'll have he'll have an opportunity to get back into the starting role eventually. But for now, he just needs to continue throwing strikes and, and fitting into that role out of the bullpen. And then
0: Kirby McMullen, he hits the big solo shot for the 7-4 victory. For them to win the series on Saturday in comeback fashion, just how big was it for the Gators and how deflating was it for Miami and maybe kind of carried over into Sunday's
2: matchup? Yeah, I think, I mean, it goes back to that interference call. And and right there, the stadium is going nuts. And, and Miami fans, you know, for as much as much crap as they get, um not showing up, they're a really smart baseball fan base. And, you know, every every like every fan base, like you know, the gators the gators have their own they do, you know, their chants and stuff. One of the guys they do a, they call they say rag arm walk in when when they get to a three O count if the other pitcher is in a three O count and Jack Leftwich is on the mound and the guy looked at them because they were starting and he's like, No, no. And Jack Leftwich is throwing ninety five miles an hour. That's not a rag arm. It's like they're they're an intelligent, smart baseball base and when that happened you could you could feel kind of the energy getting sucked out and, and it's like i said earlier you know it's almost like florida's in miami's head and once that interference call happens you were just kind of waiting and it seems like the four thousand people in the stands were just waiting all right well how is this game how are we going to lose this one and then when you lose saturday i mean it would be easy for florida to kind of be like all right series one and let's pack it in but they came out, scored two runs right in the top of the first, and, and the stadium, the, I mean, Mark White was silent all of Saturday. Just kind <laughs> of just sitting there, like, watching a, a car accident in slow motion, just mouths open, silent the whole time. Um, it was interesting to see that Sunday. But, yeah, you definitely felt the, the momentum, the entire series shift um, in the 10th inning Saturday. We're speaking with Nick
0: Vellatore from GatorCountry.com, who
2: was in Miami to see the Gators pull off the sweep.
0: Just the fourth time that that's happened under Kevin O'Sullivan, and they came out Sunday and put on an absolute show. The Hurricanes had no shot against Florida, and uh, just a really impressive performance for them to get the sweep, and we saw what uh, Marco can do on the mound.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, Baseball America says that he was the second best high school prospect to get to college because obviously, you know, you have the draft and, and guys will go if they're drafted early enough. Interesting story. He was committed to Virginia for three years and Jacksonville kid and Sully kind of just got in there before his senior year and, and got him to flip his commitment, big lefty arm. He, he, he can hit the, he can hit the stuffing out of the baseball too. So uh, we'll see how many at bats he gets this year. I think they're really just trying to not put too much on his plate, especially being the Sunday starter now. Um, but I mean, he's throwing 92 to 95. He's got a sinker, a curveball, a slider, a changeup. This is the kind, I mean, he's six foot four. This is like, if you're making a, a, a pitcher, this is the, you know, in a video game, this is the kind of pitcher you create I needs to spot the ball a little bit more, but I mean, the talent is there. And Kevin O'Sullivan, who isn't always quick to, you know, heap praise on people, just already kind of put him into that, the, you know, that group that I just mentioned, the Fayeto and Shore and Singer. He said, this kid has the potential to join that group as a first round pick and in, in a big league um, pitcher. And I think we're going to see that because he's, he's in my mind, has locked up that Sunday spot.
0: And then you mentioned Kevin O'Sullivan. At the end of the weekend, Just, what did he have to say kind of overall about the performance that his team put on, the fact that they were able to get the sweep, and what were some things that maybe he said throughout the course of the weekend that might have stuck out to you?
2: Uh, I mean, publicly, it's kind of coach speaking. I mean, they're 8-0. It's only the fifth time in program history that they've started a season 8-0. So he's kind of, you know, almost... In baseball, it's such a game of failure that you can't get too high on your highs. You can't get too low on your lows. You kind of have to, have to stay even keel because you can be hitting 700 through a month, and then, you know, your batting average will come back down. You'll be hitting 300, which means you're hitting terrible to go from, you know, 700 to 300. So I think after the series, he was obviously happy to win a series um, on the road, first road test for his young team, happy to beat a rival in Miami to beat a number one team, but They struck out a lot. They're missing signs still. It's still some early season stuff. So he was uh, obviously happy to win the series, but was quick to point out, hey, we're not a a finished product right now. They did
0: go on the road and sweep what everybody thought was the nation's number one team. I know it's early in the season, but Nick, looking at it from your perspective, what do you feel like this says about this team, their potential, the, the fact that they could go out and beat a team in this fashion?
2: It's such an interesting team because I mean you don't really get seniors at a school like Florida or a school like LSU because if you're good enough to play there, you're probably leaving after your junior year to the draft. But Florida's got two seniors in Austin Langworthy and Kirby McMullen. He's an incredible story, just a local kid who's kind of sat around for for three years. He comes up to uh, Post Malone, Sandro Pay. And it comes to, you know, I've been waiting, I've been waiting for a long time. And I asked him he was done on purpose. He's like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. He had 31 at-bats in three years. He already has 30 at-bats this season. So um, he's been waiting for a long time to get this opportunity. Now he's starting at third. So you have two seniors. I already mentioned the pitchers. Those are juniors. And then the biggest thing, you know, they took their lumps last year as freshmen. They had such a big freshman class because they needed it. And, and there was a lot of growing pains. But now those sophomores, as you mentioned, uh, Nick Pogue, there's David Lucci, Ben Specht uh, at the end of the bullpen there too. They have a lot of depth. And it's not that they're young, yes, sophomores, but they've been battle-tested. They pitched on the road at Vandy. They pitched in the SEC tournament. They pitched in a regional. And then the, the freshman class, Josh Rivera was just named, you know, uh, co s c c freshman of the week. We talked about Hunter Barco. So there's a really good mix of young players that have experience, young players that are super talented as freshmen, and then you have that junior and senior leadership. So it's interesting. It's it's a different age and makeup roster than Sully's used to, but I think that's for the better. And and honestly, if you get get the pitching that you got this weekend, Florida will host a regional, they'll host a super regional, and they'll be in that top five the entire season. You're not going to go undefeated. Nobody's ever going to do that in college baseball. But if Florida gets the pitching from Jack and Tommy and Hunter that they got this last weekend in Miami all year, I think they're a college World Series team.
0: Great stuff from Nick DelToy from GatorCountry.com, the only full-time beat writer for this baseball team, and we'll have Nick on throughout the season. Nick, when would you say is the next kind of series coming up for this Florida team that we'll kind of find out some more about what
2: they're made of? Um, well, it, SEC play, obviously, you're going to – this weekend. Is, this weekend's interesting. So, Florida plays Fan View, then travel to Stetson. Troy comes in. Obviously, the name Troy doesn't, you know, sound great, but they're 7-1, and one and they can really hit the ball. So, that'll be a good test for, for Florida's pitching staff. And then you obviously look at Florida State. That's a top-10 matchup. They'll be in Gainesville um, March 10th. And then right after that, if, you, if you're talking about the SEC East, it's Georgia, Florida, and Vanderbilt. Florida gets – luckily, gets Georgia and Vanderbilt at home this year in the first series. So, that'll be March 13th, 14th, and 15th, Georgia. That's the – First SEC weekend and, and against a very good Georgia team. They have this kid, Emerson Hancock, who throws 100 miles an hour and is going to be a, a, a top three draft pick. So he'll be fun to watch on Friday night. That's the next real big test.
0: The best part about the weekend was that you got to spend it in Miami,
2: right? Milkshakes, got to hang out with my family. The weather wasn't great. It was cold, cold Friday. I had a like a goose down jacket on with a hood on. I was freezing. Whoa. But uh, Sunday. Sunday was beautiful. Sunday was 75 and and like a 15-mile-an-hour wind. Sunday couldn't get any more picturesque. And did
0: Cassidy Hill learn from now on to trust your driving directions?
2: Listen, I have no sense of direction, but I'm from South Florida. Um, I've worked in Gainesville for seven years, and I drive home to see my parents as much as I can. Um, I know that drive. Now, I can't. I'll get lost in Gainesville, even after living here for seven years. I'll get lost in Gainesville, but I know that drive. And when she said, I'm going to take A1A, I was like, what? No. You'll be back Wednesday. Can't do that. Yeah. Eat her home. No problem. I was cooking last night, though. I was cooking (laughs) Sunday. I was cooking Sunday night. Uh, Luckily, no FHP were on the road, and I got home safe.
0: Well, and to the winners go the spoils,
2: right? Yeah. That was uh, not as good as the dessert calzone we had in Birmingham yeah oh man I can I can put down some food now (laughs) well you also put
0: down some great baseball coverage Uh, we appreciate you recapping everything with us as always and uh, we'll have you back on again my friend of course appreciate you having me on appreciate Nick for
1: his time and perspective when we come back from this break we'll recap Florida's loss at Kentucky you're listening to Locked On Gators your team every day Welcome back into the show. The Gators suffer a 65 to 59 loss to Kentucky on Saturday. The Gators had the lead in the second half, but then Emmanuel quickly went off for UK a career high 26 points including 22 of them in the second half and he had that run where he hit three consecutive three-pointers in a row to push the lead out. Now the Gators made it interesting late by forcing some turnovers and making it a two-point game but Kentucky was able to put it away with some free throws and a huge performance from quickly he was the story of the day and here's what Florida coach Mike White had to say about his performance and how the Gators were not able to slow him up in the second half. He was fantastic. He
3: was the best player on the floor. I thought he did a great job finding space, searching. They did a good job finding him, hit huge shots, and complimented that with terrific defense on the perimeter. I thought, collectively, they all guarded. Um, their perimeter players in particular defended three at a high rate, and um, it really did a good job. I think led by him on, on Noah Lock. Keontae Johnson once again led the way for the
1: Gators on Saturday with 19 points and nine rebounds, one rebound short of what would have been his fourth double-double in the last five games. But in the second half, the Wildcats did a much better job on him, and he wasn't able to make that late-game impact that we've seen from him before. Here's what Mike White had to say about how the Wildcats adjusted to what he was doing offensively and just their overall defensive
3: performance against Florida. I thought E.J. Montgomery did a really good job down the stretch, just just, just keep him out, keeping him out of the paint. Um, they, they they forced a bunch of turnovers in the second half. Um, I just thought their attention to detail and their energy level was um, was really good uh, defensively in the second half. Is, you know, as I told Coach, it, it, I just thought they really guarded. Um, we got a few looks in the first half. We we didn't get much much opportunity in the second 20 minutes.
1: And the stellar defensive effort from the Wildcats was evident with the stat line on Noah Locke. He was held scoreless in this game, 0 for 5 from beyond the arc, and his streak of 24 consecutive games with a three-pointer made came to an end that finishes seventh in school history, tied with Anthony Robertson. Here's what White had to say about what the Wildcats did
3: defensively to shut
1: lockdown.
3: They just didn't allow any space. You know, they got really good um, speed on the perimeter. Um, They they defend, you know, led by Richards and Montgomery, uh, the interior so well, Um, stuff to score in there as well. I don't know where you're supposed to score against them. Um, Closing speed on Noah's attempts. I remember just a couple times where I thought he had a decent look. And then um, one of those fast guards, whether it be quickly Maxie Higgins, is just sprinting at him, just the awareness. Obviously, they're they're, they're, they're prepared. Uh, Noah has um, gained a reputation as a, as a good shooter. He's been shooting really well as of late. Um, but then collectively, their ability to keep us out of the paint, um, to negate some of those collapses, um, is a factor as well now obviously if lock could have hit a couple
1: of his three-point attempts or if quickly doesn't go off in the second half this could have been a different game but nonetheless ford has still made it interesting in the final minutes forcing three turnovers and scoring off of each of them to make it a 61 to 59 game with 17.4 seconds left. It wasn't enough though in the end as the Wildcats were able to hold on for the win, but here were Mike White's comments on the effort from his team late and how once again, they were able to make it interesting in the final minute.
3: Uh, that wasn't a Kentucky factor, it was just a desperation factor for us, just trying to stay alive, lengthen the game. Um, We've actually had three or four of those, uh, a couple of which we won, a couple we couldn't overcome like this, where our guys continue to fight. Uh, we've got a couple of guys that are pretty good on the ball. Uh, pretty resilient group. We've had a couple of huge come from behind victories, um, which is a negative and a positive at the same time. But uh, Just saw the same thing from, from us. Just continue to fight. Uh, just dug ourselves a little bit too much of a hole there. Again, led by Quickly's. Was it wasn't three consecutive
1: threes. That'll do it for the latest edition of Locked on Gators. On today's show, we recap Florida's sweep at Miami with Nick Del Torre from GatorCountry.com. We also recap Florida's loss at Kentucky. On tomorrow's show, we will hear some more from Florida coach Mike White as the Gators get ready for a Wednesday home matchup against LSU. Make sure you stay tuned to Locked on Gators, your team every day.